Okay, so welcome. This is the Musical Life with James Klein podcast. It's a catchy title, huh? Um, and this is episode 10. This will be released on July 7th. Um, so I'm going to start out with a couple of things about the state of the podcast right now. Right now I have nine episodes out. This is the first interview I've done in about four weeks. So I had a bunch of interviews uh, stacked up that I went into post-production with. But um, we went live on iTunes, first part of June. So that's pretty exciting. And so all of you out there, if you're listening, subscribe and tell all your friends to subscribe uh, to that. So the purpose of the podcast is for me, it's actually a ruse for me to get out amongst the people and talk to musicians and have conversations that I want to have. So that's, that's my stated purpose. And for you, it's a chance to talk about yourself for a little while. So I'm hoping it's a win-win for everybody. Okay, so this is a disclaimer. Um, You can say anything you want and feel free to to talk about anything you want, but realize that I will not be editing this at all. I'm just uh, gonna snip it at the beginning and end and put it up because editing it and taking out stuff is too much work for me. (laughs) So I'm here with Sandy Taylor, who is the director of A Child's Song and the studio um, in Thornton, Colorado. So hi Sandy, how are you hi. doing? Good, how are you? Pretty good, I'm, I'm hanging in there. It's a nice summer, and summer day. Um, so uh, first of all, why don't we give us a, let's have a snapshot of Sandy Taylor, like if you had an elevator pitch. <laughs> Sandy Taylor is a very busy, crazy lady. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yes. Um, I am the founder and director for A Child Song as well as still have four children at home. Wow. So um, trying to juggle between all those facets is extremely challenging, but also very rewarding. Uh And how long has the child song been around? This will be 18 years in August that we've been going. Okay, cool. Um, So what are your... uh, your duties here, or your your kind of give us a snapshot of what you do, <laughs> the, the, the different hats you wear, and so on. Okay, at the studio here. Yeah. So I'm the director, so the bottom line for everything. Mm-hmm. So I um, kind of manage the programming that goes on here, the financial back end. Um, I'm directly responsible to the board of directors, and we meet monthly, so we work on that. So um, payroll and uh, billing and um, expenses, uh, all of that. And then, of course, running the, the studio and the facility management as well. So mm-hmm. responsible for all of it, but delegating it out and mm-hmm. have a great team to help mm-hmm. with it. And you do some teaching here as well, right? I do teach as well. Okay. I teach piano. Okay, cool. Yeah. And um, any other things you want to uh, say about your, your duties here? It's like a lot of hats to wear. A yeah. lot of hats. Because this is your full-time thing. I'm really working part-time Okay. because um, I'm getting older and okay. we're looking <laughs> for an exit plan. Here. Okay. So that's kind of our agenda in the next four or five years uh-huh. is to find an exit plan. So uh-huh. I work part-time. I work generally two days in the office, still uh-huh. work from home right. a little bit, but two very full days here uh-huh. in the studio. Okay, great. So one of the things with this podcast uh, to try to make it as interesting to as many people as possible who might be interested in becoming a musician. What I'm interested in as well is kind of daily routines, like what, any kind of rituals you have uh, during the day and things like that. So I think that's what we want to start with. Uh, so as far as your daily routine, could you describe that a little bit? What time do you wake up generally? 
Around six, I wake up and try to get the family going. Okay. And um, I get to the studio, um, depending on whether it's the school year or summer, it's a little bit different, but I usually get to the studio around seven. Okay. Seven, fifteen, after I drop the kiddos at school, and then then I'm generally here during the day, all day at the end in the afternoon on the days I'm here. I teach for four or five hours. Uh, Well three, three, four, something like that, and then round up all the kids and head home about eight. Okay, so how many kids do you have there in school? Um, Well, I just had two graduate from high school, so I now have three in college and a six-year-old. Okay, so the (laughs) six-year-old's a handful. Yes. I remember that from from my experience with a six-year-old. Yes, and so he's starting first grade in the fall. Okay, and what time does he have to be at school? Um, He has to be there around eight. Right, yeah. okay. The girls used to have to be there at like seven. Uh-huh. So. And school pretty close to where you live? Uh, we just moved out to Reunion, so okay. it's not close. So Josh will be going to STEM, which is pretty close to the studio here, and that's 20 to 30 minutes from my house. Uh-huh. So STEM is the, the one in Northland? Yeah, it's the one okay. where you help out. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so what time do you go to bed, generally? Around midnight. <laughs> Around midnight. So six to midnight every yeah. day. It's a long day. Um, uh, coffee? You drink coffee? Drink I do it? not drink coffee. No, no I drink coffee. tea. Tea. What kind of tea do you like? Um, constant contact. Okay. Yeah. So so what? Constant it, comment. I oh, get them okay. too confused. <laughs> constant comment. What what kind of a tea? It's kind of like um, spice, you know, cinnamon. Is it like an herbal tea, or is it? No, it's not herbal. Okay. But, it's, but I drink decaffeinated. Okay. So. Um, use any other drugs, tobacco, no. alcohol? None. None. Wow. None. Very, very I, clean. I do not even it, do alcohol. Wow. I just don't like it. You know what I found as I get older? I mean, when I was younger. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know, but as I get older, it's like, oh well, one one drink, and then I, you know, I feel lousy the next day, so it's not worth it. (laughs) Well, I I kind of made a choice um, a few years back, quite a few as a matter of fact. Um, I don't really like alcohol that much, Uh and then I've had to live with the drug effects of fetal alcohol kiddos, Uh and that just kind of turned me off. Uh I I don't need that in my life, and I don't want it around my kiddos. Uh They've already paid the price on that. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably a good choice to make it. I think alcohol is probably one of the worst drugs out there, and it's it's legal, so. And it's legal, yeah. Um, So what about uh, any exercise you need to support your body? Do you have an (laughs) exercise routine? I wish. Um, I just try to move a lot and and walk. I would love to get into more of a routine, but it hasn't happened yet. Okay. Um, Any, uh, like, other kinds of ritual things? Like, I know a lot of people I talk to do uh, some form of yoga or stretching or anything like that. Do anything like that? I do not. Um, I guess as far as rituals, um, I try to get into scripture. Okay. And start the day and finish the day. And throughout the day, um, read past passages of scripture and okay. contemplate that, you know, um, the place that God has in my life is, okay. is huge. Okay, so that was that kind of leads it to my next question. A lot of people have a meditative practice, or some people who are uh, religious, uh, they spend a lot of time in prayer or contemplation like that. And so mm-hmm. that's something you, how much time would you spend? Do you have a formalized application of that, or just something throughout the day that you... Well, I start with um, a Bible study, okay. I'm reading the scripture, and then uh, an interpretation on that. And, you is know, that something that you do with a group, or is it nope, you do by yourself? by myself on, okay. on, on my phone. Okay. And so um, I try to do that every day. And then I have um, 
daily scriptures that come into my phone throughout the day just to remind me and refocus me. And then my husband and I meet in the evening before we go to bed. Okay. And we um, read scripture and a devotion and pray together okay. every night, um, almost always. Okay. Um, so uh, any other rituals you can think of that you, you have? Any sort of mindfulness rituals, anything like that? I can't think of anything. Just survival mode. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any specific creative projects you're working on right now? Anything maybe above and beyond what's happening at uh, a child's song in the studio here? Um, my entire focus besides the studio and my family is we just moved. Oh, sure. Yeah, so, so we just a had a house built um, out in Reunion, and that took a full year. Uh -huh. um, and we've been in there about three weeks, and so finding myself is, is sure. my focus. Sure. So a year from uh, the time you... Uh, we signed a contract. Signed a contract, and it was built to your specifications and yes. everything? That's yes. cool. And that took you a year, the whole yeah. process. Yeah, it wasn't that. supposed to be that long, but it <clears throat> ended oh. up being that long. <laughs> So, uh, so that's been a process, so trying to find ourselves and unpack and, and make that house into a home. Mm -hmm. So we had our big first event there on the weekend. We had a graduation party for the girls. Uh, cool. So um, <coughs> when you do, like with uh, the projects you work on here or just trying to keep everything together here, how do you manage that as far as your uh, workflow or your organization? Do you have a method of organization you use? Is there a... Uh, an app on your phone that you use or you use a paper calendar or everything is digital okay occasionally you know I will use you know lists on paper but then they have to get into the digital form and often they're shared with other people because it's entangled um, but I use an app called GQs okay which uh, also interacts with Google I do a lot of Google stuff so I have Google Docs and, and a Google Calendar and Google email so a lot of Google stuff and GQs works right with that in it so I can have a due date and I can add people to that uh -huh. and share the tasks and then I can prioritize by by date or by level of importance and all and just you know, I know I'm really stressed when it doesn't even, I can't even look at the GQs. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm just surviving, just surviving. So if an idea comes to you, uh, what's your method of capture? Do you use the phone to capture it? Okay. I do. Okay, and that seems to work pretty well yeah. uh, for you. Yeah. The system that's kind of if it's reviewing notes. written down, and if it's in the GQ somewhere, okay. then it'll come back, and then I won't lose it. Okay. It's, it's almost like it's down on paper, but it's digital. Uh -huh. And then I can access that from anywhere. So uh, that's you use that to manage your schedule as well. I don't want, or does your schedule change a lot? During oh, the daily, daily, daily. Okay. With with interaction with all my kids and my grandkids and, uh -huh. and then staff members and uh, yeah. So I have a Google Calendar with many, many, many layers uh -huh. and have to intersect. Oh, I can't be here because I have to be here. Uh -huh. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, do you have hobbies other than music? That you um, I love gardening. Gardening, okay. Um, and you have I some have space in your new house for a garden? A teeny garden, oh, so okay. it will be really challenging. It's a very small yard, uh -huh. um, so it'll be challenging to get you know the plants and flowers that I like, as well as maybe a water feature and a fire feature. And, uh -huh. You know, so so that will be be fun. Is there any do. particular uh, things that you love growing more than other things? I love lilacs. Okay. Things that smell good and look 
pretty. Uh, but you're not really into like the vegetables so much? We or? have done those in the past. I've got three big t containers of tomatoes and a few vegetables in those. Uh -huh. And that's probably as much as I'll have room for. Uh -huh. <coughs> the new so ones. indoor, do you do indoor gardening? I well? do have plants inside as okay. well. All right, so uh, the next section, um, I always think people will be impressed, but then I remember that we're not filming this, we're just recording <laughs> it, but I do have, do have well, notes. You have I, a big I do, list there. Yeah, I do have notes that I uh, do for uh, every interview as far That's as good. to tell me structure it a little bit. Um, so this is uh, probably the biggest section, the most interesting to me is uh, how slash why you got into music, why you made music your uh, career. So can you tell uh, me a little bit about maybe the earliest musical experience you can remember? I started piano lessons, I think, when I was six or seven. Okay. Learned the traditional method of learning to read music. Okay. So that's, that takes a lot of assimilation. You've got to look at your fingers and then and learn what the notes are and then the counting and then the dynamics. and. Um, a bit of an arduous process, but that's how I learned. And I took piano lessons from, you know, age of six-ish um, through high school. And I think I was uh, maybe a sophomore in high school, and then I started taking organ lessons as well. Okay. So with the piano, was there a particular method or method book that you remember that you used? Um, at one point, I remember the Bastion methods. Okay. Oh, I do remember Thompson way, way back, yeah, but... Yeah, I remember the, the couple of years that I took piano. <coughs> the, the yeah, John those Thompson, Red the, Thompson books. The, the yeah, teaching little fingers to play or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, with all the, I I always thought that uh, maybe I'll do this someday. It would be cool to do a, a guitar method that's kind of like that with uh, the the big notes and all these cartoons and these pictures. Of oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, so that would be fun. Um, so you you said you started lessons at uh, six, and you had the same teacher for. Um, no, I, th I think when I was, I probably only took from the first teacher a couple of years and then we moved. And so, but from that point on, I think I had, no, we had a, we had a man that came to the house. Actually, some three or four teachers in that okay. span. Okay. And you actually had people, teachers come to your house? At one point, okay. we had uh, a couple of different teachers come to the house. Okay. Yeah. What kind of a piano did you have at home? A big old upright. Awesome. So, so I had five cool. siblings. So I had there were two boys in the family and four girls. The girls got piano lessons. The boys didn't get it. Huh? I wonder why that. I think it was a gender thing back uh -huh. then. Yeah. So did you have to fight for time, practice time, or did you? I don't remember fighting for practice time. I just and my parents are not musical. Okay. So my mom would stand upstairs and and you know go practice, go practice. But I didn't get a lot of guidance uh -huh. unless it sounded bad. She might say. That's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, um, did you play any music with your siblings as far as duos? I, I do like remember that? doing duets with my sisters and spending a lot of time giggling while we were trying <laughs> to do that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. What's the, the, the most memorable piece that uh, you can uh, think of that you, you practice a lot? Oh, man. I, I can't remember. Did you do recitals? I did re a few recitals, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Do you have a, a memorable experience about one of the recitals no. you did or anything? No, I just no? remember <laughs> getting by on those recitals. Yeah. 
So do you play other instruments? Well, you said organ. Organ. What? Tell me a little bit about the organ. So um, I grew up in a religious family, okay. and so I'm, I'm sure that was part of why my dad wanted us to have piano lessons so that we could play at church. Uh-huh. And um, I... I played in high school just a little, but not a lot, and so I'm sure that's why I I, I was given organ lessons too, uh-huh. and I played a tiny bit in the church, but uh, but not a lot. Uh, what denomination? It was Christian Reformed. Okay. Which is very conservative. Okay, so a lot, a lot of, of the hymns. it's it's going to be like the traditional organ and and yeah. congregation singing hymns yeah. and, and, and hymns, things like that. A lot of hymns, yeah. Which is you know an interesting thing to learn is hymns. Uh, Kids don't learn hymns these uh-huh. days, but that takes a whole new dimension there because you've got those chords constantly, right, and right. the chords are changing, and that's a lot of note reading. Uh-huh. So it's a good skill. Yeah, and you have to follow the uh, direction. So it's a, it's like a lay uh, uh, the musical services from the congregation rather than yeah. having a professional yeah. come in. And okay, so yeah. okay. so you have to deal with uh, whoever is the director. Yeah. I, I remember growing up Mormon; it was sort of the same thing, and uh, the accompanist had to well struggle with the notes in, in, the, case, <laughs> in the case of. Uh, our services, and then also struggle with the, the director and, and try to keep up with the congregation. And you almost had sometimes felt like three different tempos going on. Exactly. So, who like are you that. following? Yeah. I played in high school for chapel just a little bit. Uh-huh. The And I think that was junior, senior year. So, the, the uh, music director found out that I played the organ. And he said, um, so, can you play for chapel? And I said, well, I'll try. Uh-huh. And it was a horrible experience uh, because he expected me to be a professional organist. Sure. And he was not willing to work with me. All he would do is wave his hands up there <laughs> in furiousness that I was not able to keep up with him. Uh-huh. Um, it was a very, very difficult experience uh-huh. um, and not fulfilling at all for me. And that was the high school. He was the music teacher. I thought he should have. Should have worked with you a little Work bit. Work with better. me a little bit sure. on that instead of just saying you're not good enough. Uh, so the organ you played was that was like a, an electronic organ, like yeah. a Hammond organ or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. You ever played a pipe organ? I have. Uh-huh. When a did you times. get an experience to do that? When uh, when we first got married, um, I played organ for many years, organ and piano, but a lot of organ in churches uh-huh. I, uh, in a Baptist congregation, uh-huh. and I played a, a lot there. Uh, I, I remember playing with a baby on the front of the <laughs> <laughs> several services a day, uh, two or three services uh, on a Sunday. Uh-huh. So I got my experience. I must have. I must have grown into that. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. So um, let's see. Uh, you play other instruments. I, I know we mentioned organ, I piano. Do not. Okay, just just piano and organ. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the music that made a big impression on you as a kid? Can you think of any of the music like? Uh, Maybe as far as you go back to your earliest memories of when you listen to music and some music that kind of sparked your interest or you said, wow, I really like this. I think for me the, the Christian contemporary music has always been at the forefront of music that I enjoy. Okay. Because it, um, it usually has words to go with it, so it has a meaning behind it rather than just uh-huh. notes. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular artist? No. Okay. Any particular uh, piece? There is a piece that I love, um, and it's a, a, a compilation. It's kind of a mixture of Jesus Loves Me and Claire de Lune. Oh, wow. That's, that's so it's the classical piece 
mixed with the contemporary uh-huh. question. And uh, I like that one a lot. What about when you got into uh, middle school and high school? Did you discover pop music? And I did. Okay, was um, particular pop music you like? Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I think the Love and Spoonful. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I can remember that and, and some of those contemporary artists artists back in then and so I'm looking for the music because I was taught by music so I don't play by ear uh-huh. very much at all so I needed music okay so back then you would find you know um, a lead with guitar uh-huh. chords right so I had to learn had to learn how to, how to process that from a lead and um, yeah so I could play the right hand and then I'd have the chords and then I could make up the left hand in line with those chords. And I, my music teacher helped me with a little with that, but that was a, a new skill to learn. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I was uh, really happy when I finally was able to uh, do that in the first part of college, was able to, to look at a lead sheet, you know, ju- just the melody and chords, and then, okay, well, I can actually arrange something, I can put something together mm-hmm. and, and make an arrangement that sounds like the the actual tune. That was yes, <laughs> a very yes, exciting, yes. very exciting thing for me. So what about uh, uh, college? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if we really covered this, you know, elementary, middle, high school. Where did you go to college? Uh, I went to college for a semester at Calvin College in Michigan. Okay. And that was part of the uh, church that I grew up in and my dad wanted me to go to there. And then I transferred up to CSU. Okay. And I majored in early childhood. Okay. Because that was another strong interest for me. And um, missed graduation by six months to get married. <laughs> <laughs> Which was okay because I didn't really need that degree to do what I want. And then got married and played a lot in churches. And then people would say, um, would you teach me? Would you teach me? So uh-huh. I, I, I started teaching, you know, just just because people wanted me to do it. And then when I had So you started teaching in your, your in my house. Or early twenties or yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this is just something that happened sort of organically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then when I had my first child, um, I wanted her to learn and that's Kristen, you know Kristen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um and so I took I took her to um, a teacher that I'd heard about in the Denver area and their names uh, were Carolyn and Bernard Schock. Okay. And that's S-H-A-A-K. And they produced a lot of the top piano prodigies in the state. Uh-huh. Did, and she still does. Um, and they teach by ear first. Uh-huh. So I took Kristen there, fell in love with the method, and learned the method from her. And from just the little bit that we took lessons with her was kind of the beginning of me really building a really successful way to teach piano okay and um, was kind of the beginning of a child song okay so how does, how does this ear method differ from the traditional note so you're you're not using music so okay. we're just putting the student at the keyboard and beginning to teach fundamentals of just okay so there's black notes and there's white notes and there, you'll see the black notes have patterns okay and then we, we teach fingering and then we start introducing rhythm and, and playing that way. And, and so they learn to play by ear. They're very successful, very quick, mm-hmm. and don't have to be entangled with what, I mean, so if you look at it, we learn to speak and then to read. Uh-huh. And, and I think music is the same way when you're learning to play uh-huh. it. You play it by ear, 
and then, you know, I say six months-ish after you start playing by ear, then we'll teach you to read it. So now you know what it, what it sounds like, how to do it. Now this is what it looks like, uh -huh. and, and tie the two together. Is there a particular age where this seems to be the most effective? Anywhere from four to eight. Okay. Even adults, it's more okay. effective. Okay. Yeah. And uh, how does does this involve a lot of uh, support from uh, like parental involvement? And um, it's great. It's better uh -huh. when you can get the parent. And so we generally will teach with the parents sitting right there. Uh -huh. I love having the parents right right uh -huh. in the lesson because if they're following through, they don't even have to to be musical themselves. They can learn right with their child, or they can support at home. Uh -huh. So this is similar to the Suzuki methods? It's very similar. Very similar. Okay. Okay. Um, so who would you say is your most influential teacher? Oh, I guess I would have to say Carolyn Schock. Okay. Okay. And so this might be uh, a hard question to answer right off the top of your head, so whatever comes to your mind first, that's what we want, I guess. <laughs> but uh, the question I, I'm always interested in is, what's if there's one uh, most important lesson you can think of that you learn from, from her, what would that be? Um, to love music. Okay. To, to really enjoy what you're doing. Okay. And, and, and I always think, if the teacher is having fun, the student will be as well. Okay. And that's what I tell my educators. Okay. If you're having fun, they will be. Okay. So make it fun. Um, so what was your, you said your family was not particularly musical. Did they have a particular reaction to you choosing music as a career? Music teacher? Well, I didn't really choose it as a career because it kind of came about okay. later because I mm -hmm. chose early childhood. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, they've been very supportive of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, at least uh, two of your kids that I know are uh, going to music. So, so Kristen worked with you here. Uh -huh. And then Sierra is actually going to go study vocal performance at, uh -huh. at, uh, in Greeley. Greeley, yep. Yep. Um, all my kids have had some piece of music in their lives, uh -huh. with the exception of one child that um, she's kind of a trouble child, and I don't really know where she is and what she's doing. <laughs> but all of the others have music as some part of their life. Uh -huh. um, Mari um, played violin and ta was taught under Anne, who was here for a long time, and did very well. By the way, I guess I should mention we are we are at a music school right now, and so if you hear some some plunking on the piano or some kids uh, uh, kind of chattering outside, that's, that's that's that goes with the program. That's, that's where that's we the, live. That adds character to the ambiance to the whole thing yeah. uh, right there. Um, all right, so now, okay, so um, here's a couple of. I call them desert island questions, although they're not particularly all necessarily about what would you do on a desert island, but anyway, they all, they'll fit under here. So uh, first, uh, what would be an instrument that you'd want to learn that you don't already play? I think the harp. Okay. Or drums. Okay. Why the harp? I just think it's beautiful. Okay. It's just beautiful. I think you could... Uh, would it be like a big uh, orchestral harp or mm -hmm. like a, okay. Yeah, like, like a big one. Yeah, that's, uh, 
I'm always amazed by the, the complexity of, of the pedal harp, like the, how do you figure out how to move the combination of pedals and get that to happen at the right moment yeah. so you're in, in the right place. It's just, uh, I don't know, it boggles my mind. Uh, mine too. Mine too. <laughs> Actually, and um, when I uh, used to work up at, uh, I guess at CMA now, at RMCMA, I did a, a program called Meet the Instruments and I was always fascinated when we brought the harp teacher in and we'd look at the harp and uh, you know, there's 50,000 moving parts or something on that instrument. It's so incredibly crazy. complex. It's just like this wonderful, uh, big, amazing machine, you know? Yeah, yeah. So why drums? You said drums. I really think that um, rhythm is so foundational. Okay. Um, we have two things that we think are really important in a child song. One is music, obviously, and the other is movement. And I think rhythm is a big part of that movement. And I think it really has so much to do with brain development. Mm -hmm. um, we do a program here called metronome therapy. And I have used it um, on my own children and, and myself. And, and I think the drums, the rhythm has such, such an important, important role and how our brain works that I just think would be really helpful and really cool. Mm -hmm. So would it be uh, a kit, like we're, we're sitting in the drum room right now, and would it be a kit like that that you'd want to learn, or? Yeah, okay. that would be fun. Okay, or any other percussion instruments, like the uh, the big hand drums or something like that? Yeah, we've done a lot of those other drums in the drum circles, and they're, they're all really fun too, so they all would be fun. Yeah, I always think of with drums, Drummers tend to be like viola players, the, the butt of, of many jokes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but really, when you think about it, the drummer is the most important person in a, in a band. You can't, you can't have a band, a good band, unless you have a good drummer. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. So any other instruments, mostly percussion and, and harp? I think, I think those are the ones that come to my mind. Okay. How about a recording that you would take with you uh, on a desert island? So I know... Uh, for, for us, who are, are older people, we uh, maybe tend to think back in terms of, and remember uh, maybe records that we had that we played over and over again. Now for uh, people growing up nowadays, they don't think of it in those terms anymore, but would you have a specific recording that you'd want to take with you, something that you'd go back to over and over again? Um, it was interesting because um, my husband and I just went and saw the Moody Blues, okay. Fiddler's Green. Okay. And so that certainly took me back to, um, to way back when. And I think something that's intriguing about them is that they're so many faceted. They just, mm -hmm. they just have so many pieces of complexity to their music. And you've got the vocal piece and you've got the whole orchestra behind them and the rhythm. And so, so something like that might be interesting. Mm -hmm. Would it be like a particular album by them? Not necessarily. I know, I'm trying to think of... Uh there's uh, the, the two albums that come to mind for me are Days of Future Past. Yes, yes. Uh, listen to that one. I had lots of uh, lots of uh, sessions where I was out of my mind in college. <laughs> listen to Days of Future Past. Yeah. And then for me, growing up, uh, well, not when I was so young, but I guess I was starting high school. They came out with um, I want to say it's Long Distance Voyager. I think something like I that. It was, it was a big so. album at the time in, in like yeah. the 1980. Yeah. 
or something. I was trying to think yeah. of the song that I thought of the most when I think of the Moody Blues was uh, Nights in White Sand. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one is uh, and just they did a, that. Amazing. They did um, an incredible performance there, and, and it really takes you back because that's some rocky music, you know, that they did. But yeah. they did this this song, and I don't even know which, I don't remember which one it was, but it was the Fiddler's Green, so it was outdoors. Uh -huh. And on the big screens, they had clouds and almost like a storm happening. Uh -huh. And in reality, we had big clouds above that and a storm happening. And right at the very end, at the climax of the piece, this real lightning bolt shot right down behind the stage. Wow, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> so that's, it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how about a score, like a, it's a, uh, a book, a, a musical score that you would take to, to Desert Island? Um, I have a, a piano um, book that I play out of a lot, and I think it's called Piano Potpourri, uh, but it's contemporary Christian music okay. that that I revert back to a lot. Okay. Uh, one song in particular um, I I play a lot, and it's a, 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 a version, a rendition of Take My Life and Let It Be. Okay. It's kind of, kind of like my life mantra, you know, I just kind of refocus um, often by playing that, you know, okay, my life is nothing without the Lord. Uh -huh. And so I have to just remind myself, you know, okay, I'm here because of you, and what I do is because of you, so just focus me, lead me, guide me, direct uh -huh. me. Okay. How about a uh, uh, Desert Island book about music? So this could be something that's a, a textbook about theory or harmony or orchestration or a book about the philosophy of music or... Nada. Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> nothing. nothing. <laughs> no. Okay. How about a general book? A general book. Books, books are so elusive to me these days. <laughs> to sit down and read a book is so, so difficult. Um, well, you mentioned the Bible. You read that daily. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I sometimes don't think of that because it, it's digital format, so I don't think of it sometimes as a book. But yeah, for sure, the Bible. Uh -huh. um, um, another book I think that's been very influential is uh, Total Life Purpose, which is a, a Christian book about really focusing. And then there's another um, called Boundaries, which is by Henry Cloud, about where I fit into life. Okay, who wrote the Total Life Purpose? I think Shank okay. was the author of that one. So going back to the Bible for a second, is there a particular uh, version of the Bible that you tend yeah. to gravitate towards? Um, I like all the versions. I like the modern versions. I like the old King James. Uh -huh. So not a particular version. I was just thinking I had another discussion with um, uh, Trudy Wright, who's a uh, professor of musicology at, at Regis, and that was the first book she mentioned, was the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we had a long discussion about the different um, versions, the different editions of the, the Bible. I uh, sometimes, I don't know, I get I get turned off by the, the Bible because of the way it's, it's presented in, in it's so dissected, you know what I mean? So yes, we have yes. each, here's this verse, here's this verse, yes. every verse has a yes. number to it, so your chapter and verse is like these little yeah. snippets like that. And then in the, the versions, I, growing up Mormon, uh, 
all the versions that we had had extensive footnotes and cross references and all this stuff and it's, it's like uh, but I finally um, I was at a used bookstore one time uh, I think is when I was living in Logan Utah or, or Salt Lake City and uh, I ran across a book called uh, it was called the Bible designed to be read as living literature. Mm -hmm. And so it had all the books, I think it, it, it shuffled them around a little bit, but all presented in more of a short story format. So there wasn't any of this sectioning off the, the chapter and verse, and I thought that was Well, and there's, there's a, the Living Bible uh -huh. is, is a lot like that. Okay. And then there's some, <clears throat> a couple more contemporary versions that uses language that's more to date. And uh -huh. so it's, I think they're they all have their place, you know, uh -huh. just to to refocus us mm -hmm. and and hear it in a different way because I mean I've grown up with this since I was before I can remember. So sometimes to hear the old King James version can just become too mundane to me. I can't even hear it anymore. It mm -hmm. just doesn't hold any I mean it holds meaning for sure but it doesn't speak to me the same way uh -huh. as the same thing in a different version would. Uh -huh. So what app do you use for uh... um, I use the daily Bible okay. for some of it and, and then there's another holy Bible um, they're, they're both different. And you mentioned that uh, your phone is able to deliver something throughout yeah. the day so yeah. you have the, it, yeah. does it verse of the, the verse of the day um, okay. there's a couple different phone apps that, that each do that so I can tell that when to deliver it so I can get one at 7 o'clock in the morning and I can get one at 11 o'clock and that's uh, kind of nice. That's so, nice. But nice. if you lose your phone, then that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of if I your... lose my phone, I lose my brain. <laughs> <laughs> How about the uh, the most memorable concert you have ever attended as part of an audience? Mm. Well, my memory's getting shorter <laughs> as I get older. <laughs> but um, a very memorable one. Recently, we, we went to Celtic Woman in Red Rocks okay and um, you know just the venue there is magnificent uh -huh. but um, I remember um, a song in particular it was uh, a bagpipe player and he stood up on the Red Rocks oh, wow. with just silhouetted by the sky in uh -huh. Denver overlooking it and on the bagpipes he played Amazing Grace Wow, it was in that venue has just uh, been a long, long time since I had been there, but uh, it was amazing. So, how about the most memorable concert you've ever performed in, or memorable performance you've been a part of? Um, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've certainly done a lot. Even the recitals here with particular students where we've played duets together um, have been very memorable. Um, I was part of a bell choir um, at our church and we, we played, you know, concerts, you know, um, in churches and in the mall and, and those were fun. And we did a recording in a recording studio and that was fun there. But I, I don't think I can think of a particular one that just stood out above the other. I'm not really performance-minded very much. 
Um, I like to share my music, but I'd like to do it behind a curtain. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, student recitals. Uh, is there any particular student recital that stands out to you as being particularly memorable or, or a student that... Uh, I have a student um, who actually now works at the studio. Her name is Brenna. Okay. And um, her and I have played some duets over the years that were, were a lot of fun. Uh-huh. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. What about um, as far as your teaching experience? Uh, I know it's hard because for me to, to, to single out one event that comes to mind as being really memorable or really like... Uh, yeah, this is why, you know, this is why I'm doing this, this is why I'm teaching. But can you think of anything like that, like a moment you had with a student, um, maybe in a lesson, a private lesson, or even talking to a student outside of a lesson or something, where, where you thought, yes, this is why, this is why I'm doing that. Those, those moments happen all the time, uh-huh. right. you know, where you can see a student's little brain, you can see the wheels right. turning, and where they're getting it. Mm-hmm. And, and and I will look at the parent and I will say, do you see his brain working? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, uh, Do you see what's happening in his brain and, and why this is so much more important than just the music? Right. Because he's really working his brain and he's, he's also getting the musicality and um, engaging in it. So uh, those moments happen all the time. I often think I should quit teaching and just focus on the administration part and, you know, get this organization ready for the next level and then I'll go in and teach and I'll have a uh, an aha moment like right. that and I'll right. go this is why I keep doing this this is why I keep running this crazy schedule is because right. I still think I'm making a difference with you know so many of the students on a daily basis that I can't give that up yeah, I think I, I have to, I'm right there with you as far as, uh, I, I think maybe that's the reason why I haven't uh, gone into some sort of position that required a lot of administrative uh, work because it's just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel the same way mm-hmm. as having that contact with, uh, with students, having yeah. the, you know, the, to me it's all about that rather than all the day-to-day detail of making it run, which I know is super important. It you is know, super important, but, but... Yeah, yeah, it's a, so I, I would, you know... And nobody can teach like me. Right. They all teach differently, and they're, and they're maybe as effective or more effective, but nobody can connect the way that I connect with, right. you know, so right. I may have a particularly good connection with a student, and another teacher might have a really good connection. Right. So we're all really necessary. And you know, important in that, so yeah, it's so interesting that uh, yeah, sometimes I'll have students where we hit it off, and you know, we have a relationship that might last for for years, and and then other students, it just kind of doesn't, I don't know, doesn't doesn't work the same way. But then then they try something with another instructor or another instrument yeah, yeah. or something, and they they yeah, yeah, it so works. so yeah, yeah, it's important I think to have a variety in that. But I think also. It's important, like you said, you you had thought about giving up teaching, but uh, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine myself not 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 teaching. Yeah, I I don't think since I've been since I was um, maybe twenty or something, I don't think there's ever been a time period of more than a couple of weeks where I haven't taught somebody, been doing some teaching. I agree. It's just I agree. like that. It's that important to to me. I think to to be that close 
mm-hmm. to music and to be that close to the, the educational process and trying to, you know, make sure that somebody else gets Carry, it. Gets, gets it, it, it carries it on. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So uh, here's some other uh, interesting questions, and these are sort of fun um, things for me to, to get the answers to. <laughs> so if you could hear one musician perform, living or dead, who would that be? So we could go as far back as in history or whatever. So if you could hear just a musician perform, who would that be? Um, maybe Josh Groban. Okay. Okay, well you can actually, he's still performing, right? So, <laughs> so I think you'd have the chance to, to hear him. Yeah. What's, what about somebody who's uh, uh, long gone? Long gone. Maybe Beethoven. Beethoven, I know. Some, somebody I've always imagined that would be cool to, to hear in his prime. It is mid 20s when he was you yeah. know, the, the top of his game as far as being a, an improviser and a concert pianist. Yeah. I, that, yeah. that would be incredible. Uh, actually, by the way, this is just an aside and it's a plug for whenever our album comes out that Adriana and I did together. In uh, parts of it, she. Uh, she takes the arrangement and she'll play it in the style of Bach. And then when it comes back again, she'll play it in the style of Mozart. And then when she comes back again, she'll play it in the style oh, of Beethoven. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm just in awe of, of people who can uh, conjure that up underneath. And so when's the album coming out? Oh, I don't know. We're, oh. uh, I, I uh, did most of the editing uh, the past couple of days. I'm going to finish that today. So we'll have all the edits done. And then we have to figure out a kind of a game plan for how to put it out, but I think I'm thinking in the uh, the next couple of months, you know, in the early fall, it'll nice. probably be out, and hopefully we'll be uh, doing some concerts with it and, and touring with it. That'd be and, awesome. Yeah. So, anyway, how about um, it's uh, that's uh, always something I have to remind myself about when I do these things. So it's about you. It's not about me. So <laughs> no, I get it's back. about the conversation. <laughs> get back on track. So uh, if you could have a conversation with one person, living or dead, who would that be? Jesus. Okay, that's a, that's a good answer. Okay, here's an interesting one. Uh, and this is again for, I guess, not a lot of the youngsters these days watch a lot of television like we probably did. <laughs> but uh, your favorite TV show from back in the day, like when you're going out. Oh my goodness, take me back. <laughs> And if you're like me, I had several because I was a TV <laughs> addict. I watched TV yeah. all the time. I think the Jetsons. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that I, definitely takes me back. Yeah. I love that show. That, you know, it was so futuristic. And it's interesting to see how to see how, uh, see how much of it is actually yeah, true. Yeah. Well, we don't have flying cars yet. But, but uh, close. Yeah. We're getting really close with drones and all that. Yeah, the video phone now. and my kiddo it, it's like second nature for him to just sit there and stare at a phone and talk to have a video chat with a friend yeah. and I was growing when I was that age that was some serious science fiction yes, stuff exactly there. like exactly. couldn't even imagine that I guess we don't have um oh, what did they do they ate uh, like little capsules for yeah. their food instead and they yeah. had um didn't they have a like something where they could uh, like, conjure up something and its door would slide open and there yep. would be 
for them. And then a robot that, uh, that did it all that for did them. All, did all the housework for them. That's very cool. Bring it, bring it. <laughs> so actually that brings me to my next question, uh, favorite cartoon character. Since you mentioned this was a cartoon, is, is your favorite cartoon character somebody from the Jetsons or the... Flintstones. Flintstones. Any favorite uh, character on the Flintstone? Uh, probably Fred. Okay, yeah. <laughs> all right, here's uh, an interesting question. I've asked this and got all sorts of interesting answers. Um, what's one thing you believe that other people might think is crazy? Um, well, I'm, I'm sure the religious piece, um, you know, that, that God is real and interacts with me on a daily basis. I'm I'm sure people think that's crazy. Okay. Well, there's, maybe there are some people who think that, and there are probably, yeah. I'm sure, a lot of people who they would absolutely agree. believe that. Yeah. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Anything else? Any other? Uh, something that I believe that other people think. And it doesn't even have to be something profound like that. Although that's that's a pretty good <laughs> belief system to have. But. Um. I believe that. Everybody has musical capabilities. Okay. That they're in there. They just need to be developed. And some people might really question that and say, nah, some people just don't have it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so why, why do you believe that? Because I've seen it. I've okay. seen it in action. I've seen the effects of music therapeutically uh -huh. um, with, with my kiddos. Um, I've got eight adopted kiddos, uh -huh. and probably a good part of those were drug exposed uh -huh. um, at birth. And so, us being kind of a musical group, we we started teeny, teeny, teeny with them in music and rhythm and beats and and singing and all. And um, one of my kiddos in particular was a heroin baby, uh -huh. and when we got her at birth, right after birth, um, they said. Here's an IEP for her. She's probably never going to walk or talk or... What's IEP? What is that? Uh, individual educational plan. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So usually you get those when you get into school, but they kind of gave it to us at the hospital and said uh -huh. she uh, probably won't be able to do any of those things or read or, or learn or run. Mm -hmm. And she defied all odds, and I really attribute a lot of it to the early music that uh -huh. she got. Uh -huh. um, just immersed in uh -huh. and so yeah well maybe some people think that's crazy I'm, I'm right there with you though <laughs> yeah. as far as, as, yeah. as I believe oh <laughs> uh, all right so uh, a couple of other things to think about um, uh, what is success what is success man that one's I know, a, that's a hard one that was a really hard <laughs> one uh, success is when a plan works Okay. You make a plan and uh, you run the plan and it works to okay. some degree. It may not okay. even work as you planned it to, but the uh, outcome is achieved. Okay. All right. So final question. Do you have advice for somebody who's going into music? Maybe if somebody wants to follow the same path that you followed as being, you know, into early childhood and running a music school, or somebody who wants to go into music as a, as a career, as a performer or a teacher in some other capacity? 
Uh, my advice would be to immerse yourself in it and um, enjoy it. Live it and love it and just immerse yourself in it. Um, I never could have imagined myself where I'm at today. Um, my father, and I dearly loved my father, um, but he was not a great guidance counselor. <laughs> when he was trying to direct me career-wise, he uh, I suggested children, and he said, "You might not be able to get married. You may not be asked to get married and have children. So find something else." And when I suggested music, he said, "You're not good enough to be a concert pianist, and there's no money in teaching. Wow. <laughs> so move on." So because of those directions he gave me, I went into early childhood because, okay, if I couldn't have my own kids, I was at least going to be able to play with someone else's kids and uh -huh. make an impact. And and to, to see it come back probably um, 12, maybe 15 years after that, to see that I had, had it all. Uh -huh. and, and not really intentionally. I just decided to live my life and enjoy what I was able to do where I was able to do it. But then to be able to found an organization, so I've got the music education, I've got the music everywhere, and I've got the kids, my own kids, my grandkids, and all the kids in our programs. Uh, I've got it all, uh, and, and I attribute that to God. Okay. You know, um, but I, I try to follow his guidance and just immerse myself in it and enjoy it, and love it and live it. Uh -huh. Great. So any other parting thoughts you might have? That's all I got. That's, well, that's really good. <laughs> uh, that's, that's really fantastic. All right. So again, we're here with Sandy Taylor, a, a child song in the studio. And uh, thanks, Sandy. Thank you. Great, great interview. Good, Thank good you. Time. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so this is uh, Musical Life with James Klein, and we are going to sign off. Mm -hmm.